0: welcome to developers hangout a podcast for developers by developers a place where we get together as often as possible and discuss a wide range of topics from the books we're reading to latest news and commentary on other tech podcasts i am nathan kirschbaum and joining me once again is
1: hey i'm al new Hey
0: hey how you doing
1: oh uh, good good. Good, how good how are you
0: yeah doing well doing well yeah. getting back into the swing of things here so hopefully yeah feeling good about that yeah um
1: yeah, end of the yeah. year craziness is slowing down.
0: Yeah, it's, it seems like the week week before Christmas here, we're just you know things are starting to starting to align. So hopefully that's the case. Um, yeah, but before we dive in, Al, let me just mention. Um, so sponsorship this week is, once again, PHP Architect. So we want to we want to uh, shout out to them and say thank you once again. For those of you who don't know, uh, PHP Architect has been published continuously since 2002. The magazine is the only technical journal dedicated exclusively to the PHP world. Uh, you can check out their website at phpark.com. They have trainings, they have books, they have conferences, conferences. Um, you know, swag, all kinds of stuff. Uh, so be sure to check them out. And I know in our first, uh, in our first section here, the podcast news and other happenings, uh, we will talk about one of the articles in their latest release, I believe. So I uh, just wanted to mention them to, to start with, um, anything else we should cover out before we kind of jump into things. Uh,
1: no, but they did, PHP Arc just had the conference in D.C. Uh, late November, so uh, there was a lot of video coming out from there, uh, so that'd be interesting to catch oh, up on that point. as well. yeah.
0: I haven't looked at that yet. Yeah,
1: so one of the things uh, to think about is uh, we try and find new material for next year.
0: Absolutely. Yep. Uh,
1: Alright, so the first thing on the news list is uh, the latest PHP Arc uh, issue is out, and actually that was 20 days ago. Uh, but it's out, and uh, as, as usual, there's good reads in there. Uh, one of them was the power of the interface, uh, which, is a, which is a technique that, um, you know, before when first hitting into object-oriented was hard to really uh, understand the use of it. And, and with dependency injection being so awesome in Laravel, it just shows you uh, how these things can really come in handy to swap things out and to inject them easily. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, good article there.
0: Yeah, totally. Um yeah, it took me a while to really understand um you know, I I well, I mean at first it was you know, like I, I could understand listening to like what an interface was, but um it took me a while before like to see its power in use. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. In things like that, you know, and um yeah, anyway. Well, with dependency that, injection, we didn't come from that. We came right. from uh, more
1: uh I, I guess just uh, procedural language, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, or a procedural way of using PHP.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, very good. So uh, the, another thing I, I just wanted to bring up actually. Um, oh, artic- no. <laughs> uh, so I have been getting more into like, I, I, as the year has been coming to the end and we've been talking more uh, in our jobs about like focusing on tooling more. And uh, as you'll see, Al and I are working on a number of uh, a number of plans for next year. Uh, around continuous uh, delivery uh, and automation and getting more into uh, aWS and aWS automation and really um, you know fully utilizing their infrastructure so anyway we've been focusing a lot on tooling and having these kinds of conversations uh, and so I you know I use vim a lot um, but i don't and and a lot of people do um, on the server level on you the use server it. level right yeah, yeah. Um, and sometimes locally if I'm just doing little stuff um, <laughs> Yeah. The 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 um, but but yeah everyone uses it on the on the server level um, but I almost always am just using like the simplest you know I've learned like uh, uh, over over the years I've just learned like you know whatever the the five or ten commands that I need to get around um, and I was thinking to myself you know I really want to be it actually part of the reason I thought of it was I in watching Jeffrey Way and a lot yeah. of the videos yeah. he jumps around a lot and I think uh, part of the yeah. reason he does I mean I don't know we'd have to ask him but part of the reason I think he does that is because um, you know, PHP storm and, and other editors, um, are sublime. Mainly those two are very popular for a number of reasons. So a lot of folks use them. Um, but, uh, folks may not know this, but he really, uh, is an expert at, uh, at Vim and he even taught on it. If you can actually do, if you're curious, you can, um, You can search YouTube and he's got a ton of videos on there for people who are just getting into Vim and want to take it to the next level, or people who are intermediate and want to take it to the next level. Um, So anyway, I'm posting an article, uh, one of the things for today's discussion I just want to mention, uh, it's called Learning Vim for Beginners, and it's basically a... A resource that lists out some of the best places that you can go check this stuff out, and I, I wouldn't call myself a beginner, but there are some resources in there which are really cool uh, and I think useful, and and you know just as like for, as one example, like something that I think is useful is that I and I've paired with a ton of people over the last year or so, and I don't see people doing this kind of stuff, but you know it's so easy to just open a, a split screen, for example, in Vim. If you're comparing files, or you need yeah. to like you know jump somewhere else instead of you know I, a lot of times I'll see people or even do it myself where they'll go ahead and open up a second SSH session if they want to be if they want to be looking at two different files at once, um, which you don't have to do. It's just a simple there's a simple yeah. Vim command, and yeah. so I don't I don't necessarily want to get to get into all the crazy scripting you can do. although maybe at some point I'll get into that. But um, for me it was more I just wanted to remind myself and you know and teach myself some new things uh for efficiency yep especially uh, on the servers yeah 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 and so and i found it really enjoyable just like there's a ton of resources there and i can just take five or ten minutes here and there um and you know i think it will improve uh my my efficiency uh over the next year so i'm excited about that
1: oh, sounds good they even have some games you can play
0: yeah yeah absolutely <laughs>
1: Um so one article uh is introducing modeling by example this is an old article i think um but it's uh he's pretty well known in the php community i think he wrote bhat um i'm not sure if he was the only person uh everett or everzet um but it's just a really great article as it brings bhat uh out of the uh more common look of like step by step interacting with the dom and and, and into the more business uh, domain level approach of how does how does this test read and how do I use it then to write uh, the code um, so it's a really it's a really eye-opening article of a different way to use BHAT uh, to write test and to build the whole um, project and, and most importantly to not lose um, uh, to cost through translation yeah. translating from business to the developer language and it forces everybody to kind of think at the business level uh, just a great, great article. Um, yeah, this is
0: looking really good. I haven't read it yet, but it, it's it, lo- mine, it looks it's,
1: it's It's paradigm shift kind wow. of stuff. Yeah, it's now, great.
0: Is this you're telling me, uh, I think last week, that this must be it? That you're telling me that. Yeah, okay, uh, I
1: did put this in the Slack room twice and you didn't nah, read it. I hear oh you. my I, gosh. Yeah, that's fine. But it was totally like we had uh, that little meeting where we're like, I want to start writing tests like this, right? Where yeah. the business can read it. And there's not 50 lines of clicking DOM elements, and no one really knows what the heck they're reading anymore. Yeah, yeah. totally. No, I'm going to get to it. I, yeah,
0: I thought I think you brought up that like um, he he also felt that there were some well, things that he had regretted. I, right. Yeah,
1: I don't know if I would put it that strongly, and I forget where I heard it. I was listening to him on an interview, but basically, I think he's trying to. And he even wrote it here. You know, he says for a long time uh, we have been preaching that this, and then he goes down a scenario with the typical. And I am on when I click and I go to, then I should see is a bad Gherkin scenario. Scenario should be written closer to this style. Um, and he's like, but why? Uh, two reasons. Um, uh, is It's business information uh, and, and, the, and, the, and, and you're not locked into specific technical impl- implementation. So you can mm-hmm. change the implementation and not worry about updating all your tests. But more importantly, the test has the business language. hmm so, and you really can introduce that moment in time where you can have a user story signed off by a, a product owner or written by the product owner, and then signed off at the end is working, yeah, totally yeah, I just can't wait
0: yeah, no, it sounds really good I'm curious to see um you know how it plays out in terms of it sounds to me like there's a tricky balance that might need to be played between um You you know, the flexibility of the tool and non-technical writers to be able to write tests versus having like really simple, clear language that is a driver for those tests.
1: Well, like we said, you can move all of the you can take those five lines of non-business yada yada stuff and put it into the code. So it's not Mm -hmm. like you're asking them to learn uh, how to code in PHP purely. Right. Uh, you're just saying take those five lines of clicking around the DOM and turn it into one, and I open up the product modal or whatever right. that. Right. That's that, really even plan. that's not even businessly enough, you know. Right. And right. I check out what's in my cart, you know. Right. Uh, so take that nice language and move it and move those DOM things in the background. Hmm.
0: So, Interesting. Yeah. I don't
1: disagree overall, but in the end, from our standpoint, uh, it's 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 you know benefiting the developers and it's benefiting the QA person who, who can and should work at that level eventually. Yeah. So
0: yeah, totally. Yeah. Great article. Yeah, totally. I'm I'm excited about it. Yeah. Um, So one I found, and I wanted to just bring up here, um, it's called, um, it's called modeling an aggregate with eloquent, eloquent. Um, And this was a really, uh, really interesting article. And of course, this is also fascinating because what we've been talking about the last couple podcasts, including this one, Um, it's kind of about, uh, there's been, well, it's not, it's not about it, but the domain driven, uh, design has come up a lot and thinking in thinking of architecture in terms of, of that, you know, that principle, uh, has come up a lot. Uh, and this kind of added some, it added some clarity on a few things for me, but also gave a pretty good example of like how you might start to think about, um, how you might start to think about that specifically with eloquent um, which is interesting because eloquent of course is an orm uh and it's uh you know orm is not based on an object model uh for storage um but it's it's kind of an article about how you can use it to uh kind of align yourself and your coding uh with uh the object uh, and, and the, the the object model and the domain driven design like philosophy, yeah. um, and it, you know it's pretty interesting. There there are a few parts of it that get a little complicated, but um, you know, and overall, it's kind of a you know. I think the author himself is a little mixed on <laughs> which yeah. uh, which approach should be taken in terms of yeah. like you know. It, it actually almost boils down to the a- active record conversation we were having uh, I don't know, yeah. three, three or four weeks ago. Um, and it's kind of like the right tool for the right job kind of thing. Um, but it's it cool. So I figured I'd share it cause it helped kind of clarify some of those. Um, yeah. well, it's an, it's things. a nice
1: approach to, to really thinking about naming your methods with business in mind and mm. in some ways protecting or trying to lead the developers to use your methods to deal with the data instead of using what comes with the model class. Right. Mm. So instead of saying save or create, you're basically saying, no, make a, product foo for this thing you know and therefore by using that method you're including all the business logic that comes with it Hmm. so it is it's it's a great idea i mean um uh to to do this i just i think at the end of the article like you're saying you basically said but you know in the end it just doesn't work with active record (laughs) (laughs) and if you're stuck with active record sorry uh which is you know I I think we have it so good because we have, uh, you know, an ORM Mm -hmm. uh, and I would never want to go without one. Um, But I think it's really some good points though, how we could start naming methods and where to put the information, you know. Mm. Um, But then it really would come down to communication because as a developer jumping in on a project, I could easily go right back to using uh, the methods that hang off the uh, eloquent model class.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I also saw some connections with some of the earlier uh, stuff we looked at was like Sandy Metz and the um, yeah, object-oriented design pens- yeah. presentables, like really in terms of like thinking of, yeah, yeah. the you know, like messages and Well, that's uh, where we can say to people, and,
1: you can't use the model class. You have to use our repository or uh, service class, right? To say, hey, here's the business logic, talk to it. Mm-hmm. So you could make all the benefits come out of Eloquent, but in the end, you could, you know, make that the official class we talked to to help Uh, basically have our code be our documentation about the business. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really got some interesting points when you think of it that way. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that was a good one. I, I just get, sometimes I get frustrated with DDD. It seems like they're all, uh, it's like they're all on an LSD trip. It's like <laughs> you get, they say like 10 things and you're like, I really don't know what you said. One of us is on a trip. I agree. Uh, but well, but it works. I mean, I'm not arguing against it. I just never seem to get no, it. No, I yeah.
0: hear you. But you know, the thing I ask myself when I get it, it's like, it's always like, okay, like I I either like, okay, is it LSD or like, maybe I just, maybe there's something I haven't studied yet yeah, that, exactly, I exactly. that I don't, I just don't understand it. Right. Yeah, and so, yeah. It's a different world to me. And I think, you know, so I don't know what it is. I'm assuming it's that with part, parts of this article where a little hard <laughs> to understand.
1: And it keeps coming up. So I know it's a topic to keep learning about. Yeah. Uh, like no SQL. It's like keeps coming up. We can't just ignore it, you know. Right. Totally. Um, so the next one is Linux Academy. I've been doing a course on AWS and Nathan now has. Uh, so I can't, uh, I just want to bring it up because I can't just say enough about how good it's been to... Um, uh, dig into this so first of all aws is just amazing and i feel like we've been picking at it like uh, that game with the elephant you try to feel the different part to it and guess what it is as you're blindfolded and i think that's what we do with aws you know yeah um but now getting this big overview guided by linux academy um i i really uh, re- uh, even though some of it's repeat i'm really getting a better sense of how this big thing works yeah uh and so i'm really glad and i think it's quality stuff uh and um in in and I did like how they had that little thing where you could say, Hey, I, I have this much time a day, these days of the week, how long will this take me? So you can really pace right. yourself. Yeah. Uh, which helped a ton.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And uh, you know, I I, I I'll I I Al turned me on to this a few days ago, but the um I you know, and I think I've heard of it before, but for those of you who don't know, um it it you know, it does a number of things. And actually I've signed you know, over over the years I've I've done a number of these types of training, uh, video video training services or courses, online courses and things like that. Um, and this one's pretty darn nice. I mean, it's yeah. got a it's got a it's really smooth and slick. It's got a nice UI. It's really like friendly and pleasant to use. Um, as Al was mentioning, there's so there's a number of courses. Like if you're you know, so we're focusing on AWS, but but it's you know it's a Linux Foundation, so you can get Uh, Linux training, uh, OpenStack training, DevOps training, in addition to the AWS training. Um, And it's all all of the – most of of the kind of training that you can get are aligned with industry-like standard certifications, so Linux certifications or AWS certifications. So that's really nice. It's not only, you know – it not only is it great for us because we are dealing with AWS every day, and there's just it's filling in a lot of uh, missing pieces for us. Um, it's also something where we can get certifications on, and that's really cool yeah, too. That's what um, I'm
1: looking, and that's why I took it because I was looking around for AWS certs, and um, a lot of the places were like two grand, and um, which was fine, but you know you had to show up at that day online, and it was yeah. inflexible. Uh, so yeah. I was really glad to find one so flexible,
0: right? And I think it's relatively cheap. I think when I signed up, 29 yeah, bucks twenty nine a month. Yeah, so it's awesome. You know, and and like Al was saying, uh, I should repeat because it really is a cool. It, it may seem like, oh yeah, other people tried to do this before, but the scheduling feature I've not seen yeah. this before. Like yeah. so, you know, so they've got a whole curriculum that uh you know any given you know you pick any and there's you know so you go into AWS and there's like i don't know eight different t- types of things that you could specialize in from devops to uh kind of uh to it being a developer certification um or you could do um they also have like a, a engineer Uh, solution like an architect solution uh, that you can specialize in Uh, and then they have both the associate level and the professional level so there's a bunch of different stuff and each one of those has I don't know anywhere between 20 and 30 different like parts of it. Um, and so it's a lot and, you know, those kind of lessons can be anywhere from a few minutes to up to 30 or 40 minutes or sometimes more. Um, and so trying to schedule that out is really hard, but as I was mentioning, they have a tool that basically you get to pick how quickly you want to, uh, learn this and it will set up the curriculum for you and basically tell you on a daily basis, you know, and you can even say like, I'm only available on Mondays and Wednesdays at these times. Um, and it will basically calculate everyone, everything and say, well, Hey, if you put two hours in on these two days, um, you'll be done by June or whatever, you know, whatever it yeah. is. Uh, and then nice you can just start touch. it and it remembers that and keeps track yeah. of it. It's pretty, pretty slick. Yeah, I actually wonder if job. it was, I wonder if they wrote this on rails or what? I, I don't know, actually. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's an, it's an interesting question. I haven't looked into it, but, uh, but yeah, cool, cool service.
1: Yep. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll keep mentioning that as we go forward because we're all uh, we're taking a lot of lessons on that. So I'm sure those will cross over to our uh, what we're talking about this week. Yeah.
0: Um. All right. Cool. So uh, the another thing I wanted to mention, um, so an article came across. Uh, I came across uh, I don't know last week or so called why you should never use proof of concept. Um. And this proved to be a little bit controversial. Uh-huh. I guess. Yeah. I I think it was. um <laughs> Okay, very controversial. Um, we'll talk about it a little bit right now. I think you know we talked about it with our team, and um, well, you'll see, you'll see why it was controversial. But basically, there's this, and I, I subscribe, I, I subscribe to this for the most part, which is, and I don't, well, I think I don't think Al does, so we'll talk about that a little bit. But um, so, so to me, the idea, like, so I've, you know in in the in the years i've been doing this um you you know even before my, my current gig uh working on laravel with al like i've come across a lot of um proof of concept projects uh and in my experience um it's it's pretty rare uh that those proof of concept projects uh actually get thrown out um, it's more. It's it's actually almost always the case that those those types of projects end up in production, and then you scramble for six months or however long to like support something that in the beginning was never supposed to make it to production in the first place. Um, and so, you know, the 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 what this, what this author, Ben Morris, is uh, saying is basically, and it's not just him actually. He's um, so there's a book, the pra- the Pragmatic Programmer which is where he's getting a lot of this notion from. It's very a very popular, famous book that um, I'm sure many of us have heard of. Um, but basically, he's making the argument that um, proof of concept is really not useful. Instead, you should use that... You should kind of look at things as either tracer bullets or prototypes. And prototypes are things that are, like, very short-lived and get thrown out almost immediately. And tracer bullets are things that um, you expect to make it to production, but for now you are really minimizing like the f- the feature set and the expectation um you know in, in order to kind of uh get things done r- like rapidly um and and that I think the best way that to put to, like distinguish the difference and and why this author would say that there's no room for a proof of concept um is that a prototype is good for figuring out what you are doing, like, you know, like you, you need to answer those types of questions. Like what, what are we doing here? And for that, a prototype is really good. Um, a tracer is good for demonstrating how you're going to deliver that, like basically production ready, um, you know, uh, code, uh, professional yep. level code. Um, in, in the case of proof of concept work, it really doesn't provide, you know, any, in, in the way that he's framing, it at least it really doesn't provide any value. Um, and, and I, the reason I like this article and, and I like thinking about it is because that's kind of been my experience. It, it, you know, it's, it's not like, it, it, I don't know, it, it's not like anything terrible has happened in terms of like, um, you know, I, there's no, there's not been a project that I work on that failed because we did a proof of concept. Yeah. Um, but I think that in the long run, we probably would have saved some time and money had we looked at things a little differently. Uh, so I found it really interesting.
1: So... I think basically the title is uh, clickbait, and I think in the end you can exchange the word proof of concept for prototype, and then in the end we totally agree on this. <laughs> That's all I thought about this article. Yeah. And I think there, it's I think he defines tracer bullets in prototypes in ways that are uh, a good way to look at how to approach problems, right? But I think prototype is a proof of concept. It's the same thing. Disposable code to get through an idea to see if it works. Mm-hmm.
0: That's it. As long but as I, we really keep to that, you know. Because yeah, you and I have done prototypes that we don't throw out before. So we have to start yeah. sticking to that. that you know? is,
1: but that's the lesson to be learned, is, is to set expectations properly. Right. And, and, and what does that mean? Does it mean we use a, a silly tool that makes an image based HTML website for you because you don't want to code it, or does it mean that you code it in a way that it's on its own branch and could never go into production? Like there's so many options. We'd have right. to decide what is the way we feel best about.
0: Well and it probably depends on what you're doing. Exactly. Too. Like it like, um, could be
1: static HTML yeah. or jQuery. But the the thing is in the end that um uh you know I think these are no different than saying, hey, we're gonna spike or hey we're gonna build user stories and, and take our time. Mm-hmm. Right? And in the end, both ways are needed. just depends on the situation, you know? It's like... um, So, yeah. So, I think after reading it carefully, I'm like, well, why are we getting into a hype about this? It's basically this person decided to make a title that will catch people's attention, and then he just swapped out the word prototype uh, for proof of concept or vice versa, in my Mm -hmm. opinion, you know? Yeah. Uh, But otherwise, I liked it.
0: I think people look at, like... So, I I had someone just ask me for a proof of concept uh, Friday, and it was... um, you know, like the the word. I think I think the, the the part that's tricky is he kept asking for a functional prototype. Yeah. Uh, or sorry, a functional proof of concept. Yeah. Uh, and and we had a, like a discussion about like what that really meant, and it turned out that what functional meant was yeah. that he was going to be able to use this in production, right? Yeah. Um,
1: so that's just term. You know, so the problem wasn't proof of concept, like you're saying. It was just like, hey, uh, you don't really need a proof of concept. You need. Right. At, at that point, you would say you need a... Uh, a, a tracer bullet and then you right. would really impress them because right. you're like saying a new word. <laughs> so to to them, to most of us, you know? Right. So, yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, so I think these are great things to think about as we're trying to do now more, yeah. more so. Totally. Uh, and in the end, we all agree. We don't want our prototype slash proof of concept to go live anymore. We want there to be space to do that stuff. But at the end, say, you know, like we said, we're done, but we need another three months to really make this happen. So we built the expectations uh, accordingly. You right, know?
0: right. Makes right. sense. Yeah, yeah. All right, should we jump into um, latest readings?
1: Yeah, latest readings. Uh, we're both reading Continuous Delivery by Jez Humble. Uh, we just finished the chapter before testing, uh, and it was good. Still a lot of overview. Uh, so, um, and we still have a lot of questions mm-hmm. and we're still in that part of the book where they don't have answers. They just keep saying "In chapter 14, we're going to talk about this. And I'm <laughs> like, well, what the heck? Uh, but the testing chapter, which I read ahead on does, I I feel like get us to the point where they're giving us answers. So I'm, That's I'm, good. I'm happy to read any the
0: highlights there. Like, uh, any, anything worth noting on the testing Um, stuff? you know, they talk
1: about 80% coverage is a goal, but then they talk about, uh, the different type of testing and then you know, feature testing versus um, performance testing slash, you know, you know, what you're, you know, load testing and things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, so, you know, it's going to be a lot of challenging questions there. Like what is it, do we agree with 80%? Things like that. right? And and they do talk about happy path testing where you're basically doing UI testing at the happy path level. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that helps you to stay focused on, on getting this thing to production.
0: Yeah. So...
1: Yeah. yeah, so I'm glad we're all doing. It. It's a, it's a, it's a good book. It's yeah, it's it really very is. challenging. Yeah. So
0: I think it's going to be uh it's going to change a lot of stuff for us. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's totally going to change a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just excited about like uh getting things really automated and predictable. Um yeah. you know. So and we we've like the nice thing is so we you know, we've been working on this for a while throughout our projects. Like, you know, when I say this, I mean like thinking really hard about like testing and test coverage and how can we deliver awesome software fast? Um, And so that's obviously no new thing. And so one of the nice things that we're finding is that we actually have uh, a lot of stuff done already, Um, which is, which is nice. Um, You know, so like we were already using automated testing, you know, we're already into, yeah, right, exactly. We're already using CodeShip. You know, I think the biggest area or biggest blind spot right now, which Al's spending some time working on is like infrastructure level like AWS automation where you know we've got some of that stuff automated but like I think we'll get yeah. into some really cool concepts and tools and we'll talk about them here in the future yeah. um for really making it like push button deployment like where yeah. where any developer can set up an environment on a, on a his or her local uh, or you know you could set up a new a new environment and everything is push button like yeah. just just press a button and it's and it sets up and doing some interesting stuff with configuration i think that 's our biggest um you know our biggest uh weakness right now uh and, or just a biggest area for opportunity so um yeah it 'll be fun yeah um
1: i 'm looking forward to it
0: all right so let 's jump into the deep dive um
1: all right oh we got a new name deep dive yes
0: um it fits a little better. Yes. What do we call it before? I can't.
1: Q and A and something else, yeah, and it knew, I forget. It just didn't make any yeah. sense. Um
0: so. so yeah. So what we want to do this time is just a continuation. So so basically, our last right. podcast we talked about NoSQL and kind of and uh, reviewed a video. We we started to get into it, and we really realized that like there's still a whole lot of stuff that we don't know, yeah. and We decided to just keep on it, and we want to talk more about NoSQL, um, and just get to know it better. Yeah. I do want to like so we are so what we're going to do today is just talk. We found another video that that is on the the NoSQL topic, and we're going to discuss that. I do want to preface this. It was funny. If if you haven't listened to the episode, go ahead and listen to it because it was one of our more heated episodes, I would say. (laughs) Nathan Um,
1: was still a little pained from our experience recently. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So,
0: (laughs) well, you know, it's growing pains and all that. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, um, so, so yeah, I, I, it was fun and check that one out. I do want to say there's, there's, um, I, I think one, what I realized after the, after the podcast and going through this video is that, uh, through part, a very short part of that, I was arguing with you about, um, whether or not it was useful to use a no sql database for like proof of concept work essentially oh, yeah. just quick things right yeah, yeah. and you were vehement that it was like super easy and you, you and you should use it and i was like ah, i don't know uh and i was like what what was up with that so i started thinking about <laughs> you it you were totally grumpy mode. <laughs> yeah i guess i was but <laughs> no but the thing was i was thinking of it in the sense of like uh, dynamo database right like right, right, i'm thinking right. about it in what in like where yeah. my head is all day long which is yeah. like i've been in dynamo for months now and nothing uh, against dynamo right and, oh, and yeah. actually it's it's really good for for certain things but like when yeah. you started when you said oh it's great for proof of concept work i'm thinking to myself like you're gonna fire up a dynamo like a dynamo right. server yeah. and like start interacting with a dynamo database for a stupid proof of concept and then right after the call or you know right right after the the podcast i was like He's talking about SQLite. Like he could just use SQLite and there's a there's a driver for it. Like it's it's yeah. he doesn't have to do anything. He can use regular Laravel migrations and like that's a no-brainer. Of course just that's what anyone there. should use. Yeah. Um, or
1: uh, or or Mongo. You could easily just start using that and, yeah, and load right. it locally. But yeah.
0: And but even those but those solutions you'd if you were going to use SQLite or Dynamo on a production setting you would need to take additional steps to make yourself feel good about, about that. Which I is think. great. The proof right. of
1: concept can't go live. Right, Woo! right, <laughs> we right. Went.
0: So I actually think we're on the same page there. I just wanted right. to make that clarification. Yeah. Um,
1: and so what we hope to do here is, this is our second video, and I think by the third one we can wrap it up, or maybe we'll be like, hey, I want to learn a little bit more, but we didn't want to just leave it at one because the topic was so big, and we both are really interested in it.
0: Yeah. Definitely. So, the, so the video that we watched, and we'll, we'll of co- we'll course uh, post the link for it, yeah. is um, a Google I/O 2012 video called yeah. "SQL versus NoSQL." Um, and Al thought the jokes in this were awesome. Oh,
1: horrible. horrible. <laughs> yeah. So we are actually doing you a favor by having it, so you don't have to watch this video. <laughs> Uh, the guys seemed really cool and good, but they, they just, it's hard to act and they were yeah. trying to act. Yeah. Um, cool. but in the end it was good information. And, uh, even though they were trying to sell a little bit of Google services, I think there was still some stuff to get out of this.
0: Yeah. So the speakers on this video, by the way, Ken Ashcroft and Alfred Fuller, um, yeah, and, and the video itself is a a little under an hour, about forty forty three 43 minutes. Yeah. 40, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So where should we jump in, Alex? So
1: right. So they made a chart, and I put it in our little uh, sheet. Um, and in the chart are the the six common places that you think about with databases, and these particular databases, and how they compare with each other. So that's how they went into their discussion, and that's the topics they hit in between the bad intro and the. There were some good questions too at the end. Oh, the yeah. audience had questions. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so we can go down this list and get a sense of these topics that they were doing uh, scores on, and, and see what we, you know, what struck us as as us understanding more as we walk away, like yeah. when to use it, when not to use it, and what are the limitations.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and on and before we get into this list, honestly, it helped uh, for me. It helped with some yeah. context too because yeah. I am f- I am familiar with some very specific products or types of NoSQL. So, like, obviously, I'm familiar with Dynamo, and I'm familiar yeah. with SQLite. But, um but yeah. that's about you know, like I and I know a little bit about Mongo, and you know, but that's about it, and so it was yeah. it was kind of nice to get in here, and so the the two products, of course, that they talked about most were Cloud SQL, which is yeah. which is essentially their MySQL service, uh, so that's probably comparable to, um, oh what's Amazon's called, right? It's uh, the 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 um, oh, I'm going to forget it right now. Which one? Amazon? Uh, yeah, Amazon's MySQL service. I don't know uh, why I'm forgetting uh, it. So, so well, like, they
1: got their custom Aurora. Uh, uh, can no, use but the they're, Art. yeah. Well, we should be using Aurora, but we use RDS. But next right, year, RDS, should go that's all the one. Aurora.
0: Right, RDS. So Aurora is their, like... Um,
1: it's just a fork it, of MySQL. It's exactly. 100% compatible yeah. and faster. Yeah, yeah, um, um, So anyway, And one thing with SQLite is it does have a JSON plugin, so you could use it uh, in some ways um, hmm. to, to dump JSON, like you're saying. But yeah. Um, interesting I don't know um, if it would be my first choice though if I was doing a, a proof of concept that'd
0: be interesting yeah, to think about later right. no I but would it, totally use SQLite you're right because you can I mean especially if we're using Laravel because you can use the driver yeah uh, yeah you know you can you can use uh, you can use the, o, the ORM eloquent um, yeah. so anyway uh, the, the we're in terms of this this uh, video and this conversation um, the, they're comparing one product which is cloud SQL um, to another product, which right. is da- called data store. And that would be kind of, uh, th- I don't know if it's equivalent, but kind of the, the competitor equivalent, um, to dynamo.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, th- I forget, and we're still getting into this, like there's different, um, aggregate databases or, uh, there's different, uh, no SQL databases, uh, you know, key value or or document based right. uh, things like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the the first thing they cover is is the abilities for these things to query, and and you could easily say, hey, if I have to do complex queries, I gotta stick with SQL. Right. Uh, and it won out in the in in their little fake contest, but in the end, you really got to see that, um, you know, you could do some things with uh, no SQL. Yeah. Uh, quite easily.
0: Yeah, and what was interesting to me too, and this was super helpful, was. Uh so 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 they also showed the queries for each. Yeah, and so it point. wasn't like you couldn't so when they were doing the different queries, it wasn't like you couldn't do them at all in the using data store. Uh yeah. you know, um using the NoSQL solution. It yeah. was just doing them in MySQL were wh- wh- were like two or three lines of code and doing them in the data store was like kind of a more complex process. Um mm, yeah. and so, you know, It doesn't, just because you need to do queries doesn't automatically mean you can't, you you know, you wouldn't use no SQL. It just means it's, you know, there's there's trade-offs. And so you have to balance that with the, you know, I think some of these other, um, some of these other items we're about to discuss.
1: Well, also too, it seems like, um, you know, with this video and the one before, like you could store your data in a way that it was aggregated to be relative to that particular need. Mm -hmm. So you would query the right, uh, table um, for that particular like thing you're doing mm-hmm. like here's a customer in their profile versus here's a customer in all their orders right uh, in in those it's okay in that point to to spread out some data it, it, it you're not so concerned about um, you know with sqL with the uh, with uh normalizing everything right now uh, that made sense yeah. all right so the the next was there anything else on queries you want to mention?
0: No, I think okay. I think that was the main one.
1: So the next one they covered was transactions. It's another one that comes up, and people are like, well, SQL hands down. You can't deal with no SQL in, in transactions. And again, uh, it's not so much even about Google service. I'm sure you can get it anywhere, mm-hmm. honestly. But basically, there are techniques to um, deal with transactions. They might not be as, uh, co- uh, as sophisticated as SQL, um, but they were definitely there. And, and a lot of times, we're not necessarily needing it at that level.
0: Right. Um, and I think this was, again, a case, and this is kind of what you just said, where it's like you can, you can actually do most of what you want to do in, you, using NoSQL. It's just depending on what situation you get yourself into, it might be quite a bit harder than if you were using yeah. um, MySQL. However, if you have other concerns, which, which we'll talk about in a bit, then just as an example of that, maybe scalability is a big concern yep. for you yep. if 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 that's a big concern for you that may you know yeah. that may ch- really change the balance and so the the transaction problems are not really an issue you're willing to go and and go that extra mile and have to do a bit of extra work to get what you want there out of the data store yep. um but you're gonna pay off big time when it comes to scalability
1: yep um, so the next topic is uh, consistency, uh, which was um, kind of interesting because it kind of overlaps with scalability uh, in that, you know, um, well, I believe that's where it overlapped because basically they're saying, how can you keep your data consistent if you're spreading out your load mm-hmm. amongst different, um, uh, I don't want to say servers, but, you know, no SQL databases.
0: Yeah, it probably is servers. servers behind the scenes actually, but yeah. yeah,
1: totally. Totally, totally, yeah. So when it was, you know, uh in this one they still had cloud sql at the lead again sql it doesn't really matter if it's google or not but just saying you can you can still have that consistency yeah um with their their form of master whatever um yeah
0: so and uh, th- it's been obviously it's been a few years since they made this video this was this came out Good in 2012 point. Yeah. but I, one thing i just wanted to mention is um so they you know the the arguments they were making in favor of mysql here um i think would be so so uh I don't know that you can do i assume they have something similar with data store but with yeah. um w- with um, dynamo you can actually when you're doing read um, you know when yeah. you're doing a read action you can actually um y- there are actually two different types of read that you can do you can kind of request a hard read, which means that you are demanding the most up to date oh, wow. uh, item for that yeah it's more costly um but yeah. but uh you know just in terms of um in terms of throughput, but, um, but you can do it, or you can say, um, uh, I basically want the eventually updated read, which, uh, yep. it may not, you know, and that, and that, and that costs less, it's, 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 um, it's quicker, but it, uh, may not be the most up-to-date, uh, yep. data. Uh, mm-hmm. so that's, a, that's an interesting way of dealing with it. And it's, uh, and that's obviously no SQL. Um, and
1: they both had good solutions. I feel like in the end, you know like we're saying these are a whole bunch of things you can consider and, and then consider your project right. you know right um so uh scalability was another one they talked about and uh like we're saying with consistency is is uh i think both of them do scale really well uh i think even uh, aws with their aurora solution could even go further mm-hmm. um, uh in their in their example uh data uh no 1 um uh, I can't remember exactly why it won. Some of these are just kind of like minor wins. Yeah. You know. So
0: I think with scalability on the on the cloud uh, s- cloud SQL side, there yeah. was issues with so uh, so anytime you're trying to like scale and replicate out MySQL, it's really challenging. And yeah. so all they've done here, obviously, is is uh, done it for you to to, yeah. s- to some degree. Uh, yeah. But there there are limitations with that. Um, and I think there still are, like, even though they have, yeah. e- even though they're scaling it for you, uh, they're particularly when it gets to like, if you start sharding, uh, you yeah. starting to need to shard data and things like that. Um, yeah. But then can, think of it from our standpoint,
1: they had that example, like, uh, the SQL guy is like, Hey, you know, by the way, we have this meeting once a year where 30,000 people hit the database at once. Mm-hmm. It's like, Okay. With read requirement, uh write needs, you know? right? it's like, oh right. my gosh, you know. Right. It's huge. Yeah, like, totally. So, like, I just wonder sometimes, some of these things, like, every product I've ever made, you know, uh, you know, we make intranet stuff now. That intranet isn't hitting 30,000 people at all. Right. So, it is so interesting Although, how we have to think about these things. Yeah.
0: Think about it, though. Although, like, while the, while mm. some of those internet pro- products are not yeah uh, uh exposed to high load we're doing some pretty heavy lifting and without talking about details i could give a, kind of a high level example like there's one process that you and i worked on where yeah. you know just starting that process will will spin up i don't know somewhere on the order of magnitude of 20, 20 plus servers yeah that start processing things and yeah. uh you know when you're and and they're and they're all writing you know yeah. processing queues and writing to the database and in that in those types of scenarios uh i think in some of those we are essentially equivalent to having like it, w- it would be very similar to having 20,000 users yeah. start using it because we're no, really we're really yeah. hammering that api yeah. Yeah. um yeah.
1: yeah um so the the next one was management and this one you know is is kind of um uh relative to what they, their google service and in either way uh i think it's pretty much a throwaway both are both technologies will have fine management no matter who you use google mm-hmm. or aws or just command line yeah right uh you know and with aws i use sql pro because i just don't want to deal with database stuff right uh so managements are, are pretty much uh doesn't matter either way, honestly.
0: Yeah, I think that they're, uh, at least the example again, this is in 2012, but at least the ga- example they gave then was there's a little bit more configuration yeah, that yeah, you'll yeah. have to do on the MySQL side than yeah, you would on the data store side. It was totally
1: just a, that was, was just was a like limitation of screens, their service. Yeah, 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 it's like you know, okay, you guys haven't figured out how to let us plug in a command line tool because you're not really running MySQL at that point, right? So uh, right, we're now with AWS, it's just MySQL, so right. we can plug in command line or SQL pro or whatever. Right. Um, and the last point is schema. Ooh, we um, like
0: to talk about schema. Yeah. Or um, thereof.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> in, and the final point they made when they finally took it to the next part of their little, uh, show, I, I, enjoyed some of their dialogue. Um, I just wish they didn't try so hard, um, was schema, um, how they could use it later on to their advantage using, uh, the services, and I don't want to jump ahead too far, but basically saying here, you know, data store, no SQL one at the schema level, because it was easier to, to deal with schema changes and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we have, it again, it's, it's SQL wicked easy. I can run a migration script. So it's not like schemas are hard. Now moving the old data over mm-hmm. uh, would be uh, tricky, you know, right. And and you have to do it at a time where the database isn't being uh, needed because you might be uh, blocking a lot of things. Yeah,
0: and I think, you know, another thing that they mentioned here, which kind of Uh, harkens back to like something Martin Fowler said, which is that. you know, as we're as we're considering these databases, like, and you know, so far we've been talking mostly about MySQL versus some flavor of NoSQL. Yeah. Um, but uh, and we're putting it that way on purpose because we're trying to compare them. We're trying to understand them. But I think one one thing that Martin Fowler said that is important under, to to remember is that. Uh it's not like you have to pick one over the other. Yeah. Right? Exactly. And that's
1: what I got out of this even further.
0: Yeah. And I think um, you know, they even gave some examples um yeah. that, that were pretty good. I really like the Dropbox example. Um Yeah,
1: that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I like the one though where they said now let's archive the data using right. no SQL. So that was
0: craigslist right? So we can yeah. so Greg's so, list. Yeah, Greg's list, right, yeah. exactly um so so um and that but that was good though because the the, basically the way that greg's list does it is they have um you know any any of the like active posts it's a job board for those of you that don't know any of the active posts are uh managed in mysql and uh, you know handled in a very kind of like um handled in a very persistent kind of way um the, the 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 but then once they're done once they've archive them yeah. it's actually moved to um to a, to an osql back end yeah. um, and they can work together very nicely
1: and um, it was nice too because if you had to update the schema on sql uh or sql then they they didn't really care about the archives right. as much they would just keep dumping that new schema in there and they didn't have to go back and update all the old schema right and and that has data issues too because your old schema didn't have certain columns and stuff you still wanted not to have those columns right. and you still wanted to have certain data in there that it had before. It was really a nice balance of the two. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, basically at the end I realized, again, there's answers to all of these things that people bring up saying you can't use no SQL cause you want transactions. Like actually I can still have transactions, maybe not to the extreme amount that your project might need, but enough that I can move forward. You mm-hmm. know, uh, but then also again, how to walk away and, and, and still think about using both of them, right? So, right. Do you feel like the it was uh, a good worth watch or what do you? Oh think? yeah,
0: no, it's definitely like I would say, yeah, it's it's bringing things um, a little further into focus for me. I'm still, you know, like I'm I'm still a little fuzzy on some areas, and I wanna I wanna kind of understand better. Um, you know, like I I haven't quite given up on my thinking. At least in our cases, uh, because we, because we use Laravel primarily, because we have this ORM, like, yeah, you right. know, so so there's no, this the, there's this list of six things, and the first three queries, transactions, and consistency um, are just I I think you know it's again it's not that they can't be done with no SQL I'm, all of them can be um, it's just. But we lose it. Uh, it's just totally. It's very easy. It's yeah, very no, I easy agree. with MySQL. I agree. But if you start talking about scalability and schema, like if you're working on a project that requires a flexible schema or requires, you know, um, scale scalability in a way that's not, you know, that's that's outside the reach of MySQL. And like you said, MySQL is not. You know, uh, they've basically Aurora. got it set up yeah. now, Aurora, where yeah. where they're doing this the stuff that w- was a nightmare to scale uh, five yes, years ago doing a lot is it. no longer a nightmare Jeez. to scale in yeah. many cases. And so in that, it's kind of like when we're just thinking about like, well, what's the quickest way, uh, that we can meet the business needs. I'm, I'm still seeing a lot of times that that answer is my SQL, but I don't know.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm saying I'm, I'm leaning more towards both in, in, in both being even like, Hey, start with, uh, uh, Start with SQL and throw it away after the proof of concept is right. done or start with it and, and use it like I'm storing a bunch of JSON stuff now because the data is kind of um, intricate. Yeah. And, and, and so both, you know, because, uh, yeah, so I, I think, yeah, that. yeah, the um, the next video we're going to cover is uh, MySQL and NoSQL at Craigslist, the real Craigslist, how they use both of them. So I think it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, that is gonna be good. Uh, and, and so unless some other videos come up from them, that will be our last one. I have one more listed here but I'm not sure if we're going to go over that just cuz they might be trying to sell a product. Yeah. Um but uh so I think the Craigslist one would be really good.
0: Yeah, that would be fun. Um, all so. right, anything else?
1: uh no that is it for that one we have uh i think this is our last show for 2015 and we have a lot of ideas and we have uh, already 2016 halfway planned out yeah uh more series like this around videos and uh just other good topics yeah
0: it's gonna be fun and thank you all for uh helping out and making 2015 a, a really good year
1: thanks again for listening to the show if you can just take a moment to rate us on itunes it's a big big help or you can follow us on twitter at devs hangout and tweet about the show Another way is to visit our website at developershangout.io. Leave comments, suggestions, and see show notes. Uh, It really helps us to get the feedback, keeps us focused, gives us ideas, gives us energy for the next show. And once more, we just want to say thanks to our sponsors, PHP Arc, for putting out a great magazine every month and including us in it. Thanks again. See you next show.